1: everybody knows what i mean when i say ear hustling but i think if i give you a description by way of a little bit of a story you'll understand what i mean when i was growing up in prince george's county maryland my mother had three best girlfriends my aunt barbara my aunt cora and my aunt carrie these were her sisters not by blood or birth but chosen family and my entire life they've been present always ever present Summers, birthdays, holidays, funerals, weddings, celebrations. They were always present. They were always in the house. I remember the sounds of their voices, their laughter, their tears, the way they smelled, their makeup. And one of my favorite things to do, I think it was my sister's favorite thing as well, would be to ear hustle their conversations. There is an art to ear hustling is when you, as a kid or someone who wants to hear what's going on in a conversation but not be obvious, just kind of make yourself real quiet and you start moving really slowly. Still, you stop moving. You listen. Your ears get peaked. You don't make eye contact, but you listen. Because the jewels that are being dropped you know that even if you don't understand them, they will be useful or they are valuable at some point in your life. One of the reasons why I started the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause is I wanted to provide an access point to the ear hustle, taking the ear hustle to a whole nother level of experience. And rather than ear hustle, let's just make it open. Let's just talk about it together. Let's make this a generational intergenerational exchange. Let's talk about it openly. Let's be together. Let's share the jewels. Let's share the stories. Let's share the tears. Let's share the laughter. Let's share the magic. This is the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause. Introducing... Are yeah, um, <laughs> we supposed to be doing the introductions? That's
0: what I thought. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Do your thing. Oops. This is the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause. Introducing Aja Gillian-Taylor, who uses she and her pronouns. I'm a community organizer. I organize around affordable housing, an aspiring sex educator. And I'm really, really excited to be in this conversation with my homie. Hey, my
3: name is Sharazar Tiffany Marie Lee Crippen, pronouns she, her. I am a healer, uh, educator, artist, and youth advocate and worker. I love teaching all the babies about our uh, ancestral practices as it concerns religion and so on. And I'm super excited to be here with all my babies. We will be in conversation today with Omishade, Bernie, Scott. Yeah. And Themba.
0: Yeah. Yay! We're here! Yes. It's me. Hey, y'all. Hey. So before we dive in, we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, why we are taking over this podcast, why millennials, why it might make sense. And and Shira and I were talking just about this and thought that we would actually talk about it in the context of our own periods, right? Our own period stories. And it's interesting. I was actually just talking to my mother about this last week and about just how grateful I was for how she decided to teach my sister Ife and I about our bodies and about our periods and how for her, so much of it was rooted in you know, when she got her period, she didn't know what was happening, right? She thought she was dying Uh, and she didn't have any context for this thing that was happening in her body. And my mom didn't want that for Ife and I, she didn't want us to feel um, afraid, right? She didn't want us to feel afraid of something that our body was naturally doing. And so for me, I got my period at summer camp um, at university of Virginia summer camp. And I was like on my way to go hang out with, I was going to meet my mom and sister And my dad and my god sister, Ashley. And I got my period at summer camp before I went to go meet them. And my mom was like, so she was like, oh my God, I can't believe you got your period like without me. And I can't believe you didn't tell me until you got here. And I was like, sis, it wasn't a big deal. Like you sent me with like the period kit of all period kits. I was super prepared. It came, I was like, oh, this is my period. Like, I know what's happening. And because I was insistent on swimming, I was like, you know, my first period, I was using a tampon because my mom was like, well, you can't swim with a pad. And I was like, well, baby, this vagina is ready, honey, for whatever intervention needs to happen so I can get in the chlorine, baby, because I'm trying to swim, you know, mm-hmm. period, can't stop, no show. So um, it feels just very fitting that we would be in this conversation around menopause, which, you know, still is shrouded in so much like mystery and myth and in so many ways, this conversation about menopause or women who are experiencing menopause or people who are experiencing menopause, even people who aren't women um, who experience menopause, you know, so much of it seems like asexual, right? Like like the, a woman who is menopausal or a person who's menopausal is asexual or is, I don't know, like angry, like all these myths that you we hear and learn. And so, yeah, I'm going to kick it to for or... Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's so interesting. Um, We didn't talk about that earlier, and our stories are really similar. My my mother, uh, one of 11 children that they knew about at the time, (laughs) basically, when she had her period, thought she was dying, Hmm. which is wild because you have all these sisters. She only had one brother. You have all these sisters, and it just wasn't a conversation in the household. So she was dead set that that was not going to happen to me. We were stocked up way before I got my cycle. And when my period finally did come, I was away from home on a school trip. We were at some kind of colonizer situation, you know. They take you out in, like, the woods somewhere. And they're like, this is where we kept our Black people. And it's like, yeah. Oh, so wow. And so I just had these terrible pains, right? And I decided to sit down on one of their, like, you know, antiques or whatever. And like, you can't do that. And I was like, no, I can't. I was really feisty. So, <laughs> I was like, I don't feel good. And I'm going to sit here. And they were like, put, pulled me aside. Like, this is not like her. She's such a good student. Like, what's going on? And that's when I found out. I'm um, like, <laughs> they're like, oh, there's something on the back of your pants. So that embarrassment, right? And um, didn't have any pads. So like, just literally tissueed it up, you know, did that situation. And they put me on the bus by myself. What? And, uh, yeah, my mom My mom raised hell. Um, but yeah, that's where I, I ended up rating. I remember rating everyone's lunchbox for chocolate. So, <laughs> I was just angry and just like, I'm hungry. Ah. And so that's that was my first period. I think I got it rather young, like 10 or 11. I don't know if yeah. that's really young. And then there was this conversation now about like menopause because I'm 38 now. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I might be perimenopausal. I asked my mom about it and she like, won't talk to me about it. It's very interesting um, that, so, so I, I wanted to be in this conversation with y'all and I listened to the podcast pretty religiously because I'm not having that conversation with my mom. Oh, I mean, it's my big sister and it's like <laughs> leading the way. And like, what is the extension then for the people, the young people coming after me that like, okay, I can get you ready for a period and I can get you ready for menopause too. Yeah. So. I'm excited to be in conversation with y'all and just for all the content that has come out so far.
0: Yes. So we wanted to kick it off with really our first question, which is like, who even are you? (laughs) (laughs) Who you be?
3: Ooh, it's who, is. <laughs> who your people is
0: mm-hmm.
3: that's I'm
1: good Makani I'm gonna let you go first because yeah, oh, I, that's, I, I love wow
2: this. yeah I feel like I have such a crew but you know there's a part of me that was also sort of reflecting on my period story you know <laughs> and I was like, yeah. as I was listening to you all which I think is is a, probably an interesting is a, a probably a, a maybe even more streamlined way of saying who my people are yeah, you know I feel like I am the union of two people who were like super opposite who were like on a trajectory and they met in a moment and then kept on moving right <laughs> you know and so you know my my father was southern born but Boston raised and um, you know son of a preacher who became a preacher and so there was that whole sort of what what we my brothers and I jokingly call the Baptist side of the family. And then mm-hmm. my mom was from when I was really young, like five, kind of became a hippie, She kind of busted out of that kind of housewife thing and and um, stopped wearing shoes. And we lived in New York City. So let's be clear, not wearing shoes is a commitment. Living in New York City. Oh, you know? so, um, nice. And it was like this what sort is of it? hilarious thing where you know, like I grew up in Washington Heights, Harlem. Well, at first I lived in Long Island. That's a longer story. But and my mom would have this poncho, and and you know we have the same hair now. And so she would mm-hmm. walk into school. Can you imagine with like the bare feet walking the streets of New York and the and the poncho? And folk would be in class like, "Damn, your mama looks like Jesus." Right. <laughs> <You> know, so, <laughs> Two very different, <laughs> different kinds of things, and Christ. so it was. It was beautiful in a lot of ways. My mom had like a guru, you know. She still does. She's, of course, she wears shoes now and all of that. But I grew up in this, like, these two very different kind of settings, and and my whole yeah. life has been, in many ways, loving and bridging and holding that you know i didn't have my period around my mom i was with my dad who was completely freaked out and his parents were visiting and they were completely freaked out and they were trying to convince me if somebody touched me i would get pregnant you know like real freaked out like i was you know like i was like you know the kind of cursed body thing right and my mom was like Well, you know, maybe it's time that, you know, when I got to, to live with her again at 15, she's like, well, you know, we should go to Planned Parenthood, you know, to, like she had like a very sex positive. It was like total polar opposite. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, that's a little bit about And My mom is like Caribbean with Latinx roots. My dad was like African-American with a lot of indigenous roots. My grandfather was raised on a reservation. I have a lot of people. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. 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 and how um, about
0: you me? thank oh
1: you I know I was just sitting here thinking about, um, oh God, about so all, juicy. The, all the people that walk with her and how they made an incredibly beautiful person inside us. Yes. and um, <clears throat> man I guess since we're you know since we've kind of found a, a nice intro with our period stories I got my period in the 7th grade we were living in Maryland at the time in PG County in Lanham. Yes, yes, And <laughs> I was going to Thomas Johnson Junior High. <laughs> and on Halloween, I started my cycle. Now, my mom was a nurse and she, I feel like my mother was very progressive for her time. Now, my, Connie, my mom wasn't walking around barefoot with a poncho, but she was in her, <laughs> own, in her own way. For a woman born in 1930, I think fairly progressive. And so she, you know, as an RN, she always talked to my sister and I about our bodies. And it was always from this place of keeping our bodies safe, you know, where it's like, don't let anyone touch you. If someone touches you, tell me I will believe you. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't let anyone pressure you into doing anything that you don't want to do. In retrospect, there's so much language my mom was trying to give my sister and I around consent. Right. Mm-hmm. And just also knowing that everything that's happening to you is natural. There's nothing wrong with you. Like it's natural. Yeah. She so had been kind of prepping us for a while. And then I my, my cycle started on Halloween and my best friend Sandra Lynette Jones Malone, who was also at Thomas Johnson Jr. High with me. We were besties. We are still we were still friends. We've been friends now for Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> forty-two
1: years, we've been friends for forty-two years. Wow. And I was—I passed her a note in math class, Mr. Barnes's class. Mr. Barnes hated us because we talked all through his class every day. <laughs> every day, he was like, "These girls are just like blah 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 blah." And so I'm passing notes back and forth. I'm like, "I feel something in my panties," and she was like, "Like what?" I was like, "It's weird." She's like, "Weird, like what?" I'm like, "I don't know how to describe it." But it's not like something that has ever been in my panties before. So I know it it might be my period. She was like, okay, I'll handle it. So she pops up, much to my horror, and goes to the front of the class to Mr. Barnes and whispers in his ear, Billy's period has started and we need to go to the nurse. And he looks at her like, Why are you Why carrying this person? Ambassador for the period. Your Never. representative. Period. i So she's like <laughs> sitting there with her little hands on her hip, like, yes. We need a pass because we have to go to the nurse. And he's like, that's Why right. We. Why we got to go to the. Because it's
0: our period,
1: honey. But I'm also sitting there looking a little horrified, confused. Oh. So he was like, go on, y'all, get out of my class.
3: So we go to <laughs> the nurse. You did it. You woke up today.
1: Black math teacher fashion. Get out of my class. Um, <laughs> when we get to the nurse, she looks at me and Sandy says, She is in need of sanitary products. I, I believe her, her period has started. And so the nurse looked at her and said, Well, did your period start? And she said, No. She said, Then go stand outside in the hall, please. So. <laughs> she, you know, Sandra was aghast. She was like,
0: oh. Okay, you're escort. <laughs> Yeah. Right, your doula.
1: <laughs> my, doula my my doula. <laughs> she was like, What? Come on, period no. Doula. And the nurse was very pleasant. She was like, How do you feel? I was like, I'm crampy and tired. She said, oh. Was your nurse a black woman? No, she was no. White woman. I was
0: just curious, okay.
1: And um she asked me, which is, you know, off of Pete County in the seventies. I don't know yeah. how I don't know how she ended up at, at, at Thomas Johnson. But um she said, "Do you want to call your mom?" I said, "No, I'll call her when I get home from school." She said, "Okay." So she gave me a pad that was like a small <laughs> telephone. My
3: <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <what> said. <laughs>
2: see like Omia's hands.
3: He's like, yeah, yeah. Like I like need to see the watery. hand
2: gestures. Yes. It's like a foot long. Oh stuff. My <laughs>
0: Was it a coatx? was it like a big thick coatx? it was the, it was a bit like
1: yes, it was like a sub like a menstrual. Yeah. it was <laughs> so long, and so it it was plush, oh my God, and then it had though like plush kind of sounds nice, no, ma'am, it was not um, it had two long kind of like strips on the end to pin into my panties, oh it didn't she didn't have any with the no adhesive. adhesive and it wasn't like she didn't ever have any. and she was like looking through the drawer she said oh this is all I have I was like oh okay so she told me what to do word I go in the bathroom and I pin it as best I can in my panties and when I put my panties on and my faded glory jeans <laughs> that fit me like a second
3: skin come on Penny, I felt like I had a
0: put- diaper on
3: I I between my legs
1: and I'm walking out and Sandra's like, you okay? I'm like, "Uh, yes, I am. I'm okay. So this is a long introduction, but people have met me before. So maybe this is a story they haven't heard before. But when I got home and I called my mom because she was still at work, she cried. She was so happy. She was like, I'm so excited for you. And this is a beautiful thing, and it was just she was thrilled. And then she told my dad's sisters, my Aunt Emma, yep, and my Aunt Anna, and they sent me a period box, yep. And in that box were um, OB tampons, Kotex, okay, OB. both with the adhesive and with the pins. Seven-day-a-week panties. So yes. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yes. Sunday. Saturday.
0: <laughs> and Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday,
2: Saturday.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they were all pastel colors.
0: Yes.
1: Right? And um, a lightweight girdle and a full girdle. And I was like, I'm 12. Why do I need a girdle? And the little note from my aunts were like, "You're a woman now," and it was like this rites of passage into, yeah. you know, the coded language of now you can get pregnant, so you need to make sure your butt's not jiggling when you're out in the street, in the streets, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, because now people are going to be able to, you know, sniff it out and be like, "Oh, she her her period has started, she is ready, she is ripe, sharks um, in the water." arcs in the water. But that's my long-winded story of who I am and a constellation of two beautiful people who felt absolutely and utterly in love with each other. And it ended too short because my dad transitioned when I was one. My mom and dad wow. My mom and dad got married and immediately started trying to have children together because they had had children before this is new information to me about my mother having had children before i found this out back in the fall did not know that didn't know that my mother had been married before
2: what? to a
1: man who was quite violent and mean and abusive when she was 20 she mm. was a she was a kid a baby
0: yeah
1: baby and and they had two babies together and when she was ready to make her escape from this violent marriage he refused to let her take the children so she wow. never saw her kids again so wow. we just found this out at the end of november and i met my nephew terrence mm-hmm. and my nephew, mm-hmm. eric um my sister and brother are also ancestors now so i didn't get to meet them
0: mm-hmm.
1: but we all we favor which means my mama's genes are hella strong. strong and not only are they, they're strong, they're strong. You can see them throughout all of her descendants in yeah. me and in my sister. and wow. in our
0: daughter, Yeah, and for it's sure.
1: Beautiful. It's just so beautiful and powerful to see her be immortal. Yeah. You know, through, through these, these folk that we just met. And my nephew is marrying his partner, Anthony next month. So mm. my sister Georgette and I are going to give him away at, the, at his wedding. Yeah. Yeah. we have been vaccinated, you've been black.
0: You've been Yes, come on now. <laughs> you take, you take that, take that black scene for a spin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, but that's my intro. <laughs>
3: <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So, we were wondering. I feel like you all touched a lot on uh, when you came into, or maybe the beginnings of when you came into your sexual awareness, right? Through the lens of like the adults being like, oh, okay, like you need to (laughs) wrap it up and um, be careful and all these kinds of things and acting like you can get pregnant um, just from a look, right? Mm -hmm. But when you all, um, I'm curious, I mean, you start with Makani, uh, come into this awareness about your own sexuality.
2: That's you know, that's a really interesting question. I you know, there's a part of me that feels like that. You know, it feels like I I, I there wasn't a point where I wasn't aware, and maybe that's part of the the, the huge socialization that comes mm-hmm. that as women. I think that from when you're from when you're a little girl, you know the expectations of what being a woman is supposed to be, including like pleasure or you know all the, these ideas so I think there's a part where you learn it then there's a part where you unlearn it so you so you have sexual awareness mm. but it's like is it the awareness that you want <laughs> maybe not right
0: but mm. I think for
2: me coming into sexual awareness on my own terms as opposed to sort of like the colonized like pictures of the, you know what you know the movies um, and all of yes. that and I love old movies and I always say to people you don't really understand this country if you don't watch old movies because mm-hmm. film is the blueprint of the American psyche, what what people dream about, what they think is true, like what love looks like, all what's pretty, all of that's right there, right? And so being somebody who just always loved movies, even from being really small, and I think it just informed me being the media person that I am and the way I write about things, it's just like, you see these stories in front of you about what you're supposed to be, the shape you're supposed to be mm-hmm. the you know, all of this, and that's mm-hmm. what sexy is and that, you know, and, and and that maybe you shouldn't have a sense of sexiness unless you look that way. And so yep. what was really powerful for yep. me coming up in the, you know, sixties and seventies was people fighting that, right. Saying, yeah, nah. You know, mm-hmm. sexy is all the things, and 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 also mm-hmm. coming. My mother was very much a fe, is very much a feminist, and was very p- much a part of that movement. Mm-hmm. And so that was really important. So part of my sexual awareness is one I had choice. You know, um, everybody's beautiful. Amen. And and that the other part of it too that my mom was very much into, which in some ways may feel like a contradiction. But my mom always linked sex and love for us. Like to to her, it was like you needed either love for yourself or or the person need to love you. You didn't necessarily have to love the person. But she felt like, you know, try not to just (laughs) throw yourself at somebody who doesn't care about you. Right. And her thing was never like, Hmm. don't have sex with somebody. That you don't know, but she would just always say, But it's so much better. <laughs> you know, that was her like the incentive. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so much better if that person respects you and if that person has some connection with you. And yeah, you can get off. Like, yeah, you could mm-hmm. do that. Because my mom was very romantic. My mom has a beautiful voice and um she would sing these love songs around the house and her favorite movie was warm, is warm December you know and just loved you know just loved the idea of romance and really instilled that i think mm-hmm. in all of us my brothers too you know my brothers my sister all of us and we're all really romantic people and so i think <laughs> that to so, to so the that's really beautiful right so sexual awareness and romance right or wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> Are together for me. Maybe the, Maybe those expectations are like super high. I don't. You know, I'm still working that through.
1: <laughs> it's really interesting. I'm just sitting here thinking about the similarities, and also, you know, growing up in the '70s and the '80s in Maryland, colorism was a big thing, and I know that there's been a lot of conversation in the last. Couple of weeks or so around people learning about the young lady who was an, called to be an extra on Lovecraft Country, and they darkened her skin to look browner to match the older actress that she was supposed to be playing a younger version of. Um,
3: I did not hear that. Wow.
1: Yeah, it just this it's been kind of floating around in the. Twitter sphere and the yeah,
0: you know, nerd sphere
1: for the past week or so. I remember very much growing up notions of romance not being attached to
0: mm.
1: and girls could be for a guy. Like, you know, be like, oh yes, that guy can be found appealing or you know, fine or attractive, but not the girls. It's interesting. The same year that I got my first period was the same year I was kissed for the first time. And it was the first time I f- experienced arousal. And I was mm. like, huh, I I like kissing. This is. This
0: Amen. Shout out to the kiss good. lovers. Um, out we'll
1: try again. Right. I definitely wanted to try it again. And it was also when I first became clear that I was too brown. In the context of 1979, Prince George's mm-hmm. Carolyn was mm-hmm. considered attractive. And I was told that. So when, you, when you're forming or placing value, romantic value, sexual value, attraction, or whatever on yourself, and you're told that you're just a little too brown to be that, it sticks, it stains. It permeates and I do have a sense that probably when I was about 15, I decided that there's nothing I can do about being the skin tone that I am, but what I can do is shine and I started weaponizing things, mm-hmm. weaponizing that I'm smart, Yep. so I'm going to be super smart, weaponizing that I'm active and me and my sister doing hella stuff. You know, we were super active. So I'm going to be really active. I'm going to be in all these leadership roles. It's like I was trying to construct the right atmosphere for folk to be compelled by me in spite of themselves. You see what I'm saying? It was like, and I know I ended up in sexual situations and relationships Mm -hmm. with people to prove a point. Yep. To prove that, you know, I know you don't really mess with brown skin girls and here you are and here you are what do you have to say for yourself and I always found myself thinking about this in the last I don't know five or six years Mm -hmm. before I turned 50 and definitely since I've been in my 50s thinking about that survival mechanism that survival mechanism that I started to craft with a very young immature mind And I also wasn't talking necessarily to people around me who could perhaps have said, that's not accurate, darling. That is not accurate. I I absorbed it. I took it in. Then I started making observations. Oh, so that's what you consider good looking. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that's who has power in the school. Oh, and that's, and so I just started
3: calculating. You might've noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com.
2: Life gets a lot more magical.
1: When you dream. So let's dream of a vacation unlike any other. A magical Disney cruise. (laughs) Hiya, pal. Where new stories meet tales as old as time.
3: Enchanté, mon ami.
1: And your family will be cared for the moment you step aboard. Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. All right. Well, that's what it is. A voila, I'm going to put something together and (laughs) you're going to find me attractive, even in spite of the fact that you don't usually date brown girls or you don't usually think that brown girls are attractive. And so it's been like Makani said, it's a process of learning and unlearning. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the beautiful thing of getting older and having perspective is one, I don't judge my twelve year old thirteen year old fourteen year old fifteen year old however old self I know why she did what she did i do mm. she did it to protect us come on she she did it because she wanted to be seen as lovable right so yeah. what my work has been is to remind her we are all lovable mm-hmm. we are all lovable just the way that we are. Come on and get in this car with me, and let's keep going and exploring so I think that my sexual awareness and my was definitely like Makani said. Um, for her situation was and my mother was definitely a romantic, and she was a romantic who had, had um, a lot of melancholy, and I didn't know why until recently why there was so much melancholy for her. And so it's like, yes, there is romance. What you're waiting for is to be rescued. What you're waiting for is your soulmate. What you're waiting for is that love. And that love is going to take whatever sexual experience you have to the next level. That's one thing playing in my mind. And the other thing playing in my mind is, but ain't nobody going to want to do that with you because you're way too damn brown. So we
0: mm.
1: will have to figure out how to finesse it to kind of replicate what you want, but it might not be authentic. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, really in this vein of... Um, of like, not just sexual experience and um, coming into sexual awareness in general. I'm curious what that journey has been like, through whatever stages of, of menopause you may or may not have been in, right? For me, so much of my curiosity, so much of my curiosity, and really like worry is like all of the things that I hear. So as a person who is very intimate with herself <laughs> like hearing all of the things that are like oh you know as soon as menopause as soon as you get perimenopausal man that's it like you may as well lock that pussy up honey because she's done <laughs> <laughs> like, that I'm like, excuse me yikes <laughs> So, you
1: know, I got pregnant when I was perimenopausal, right? so I'm
3: trying to see what's
1: up,
0: okay?
1: (laughs) I'm trying to know the deal. This is so interesting. Well, question, and I don't know, I'm definitely dying to hear what Makani says too. Were these people who were saying to you, you know, the cat's going to just dry up and you're just going to be a sad, a, a sorry sot person. Were they your peers or people who already had experienced menopause trying to like warn you? that you were in danger I wish
0: I could remember because I know some of it was my peers so like thinking back I'm like okay so we was all (laughs) stupid right so we ain't know shit right we ain't know nothing Mm -hmm. and we're depending on each other (laughs) also talking about menopause at a time when it was just like what I think it was just like all of our parents were going through it sure and so we're just like oh my god they always have the windows down when it's cold (laughs) what is this it seems miserable she's always hot she's always scary (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, when is this over? Are we all going through menopause? What's happening right now? Yes, we we're all um,
3: going through it, actually. Um, yes.
0: A lot of the things, yes,
3: peers, but also it was just like this societal conditioning. I think when I think about like media, like Makani M- was bringing up before, there are no, to me, positive images or like even detailed experiences of the menopausal person. Mm-hmm. in the media for in the take from so it just seems this like again mysterious um my mom did not seem happy <laughs> so there was like yeah this this understanding that that's all downhill there's that over the hill thing too mm-hmm. that people are always talking about like it's this downward progression that yeah
1: mm-hmm. uh Makani you want me to jump yeah, on jump it and ahead. then you go
2: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so this is a, the very interesting thing to me is the assumption that everybody experiences it all the same way. And we don't. So I just want to say very, very clearly, there are physical transformations that people go through as they get older. And for some people who are, have either have experienced menopause or are experiencing menopause, it can have an impact on their libido. Um, it can also have an impact on vaginal dryness and lubrication mm-hmm. and things like that. So I'm not going to downplay that those things certainly can be true for some folk, but they're not true for everybody. And I, like a percentage? I think it's a, a person by person. So one of the things that my gynecologist did say to me, is like the m- the more you have sex, the better the sex is. The more you self-pleasure yourself the better it is. The more you continue to have orgasms, the lubrication might be not the same that it was when you were a little younger, but you might not have problems. So it's like encouraging to say, no, you can still have a very fulfilling sex life. Things You might make adjustments, Mm -hmm. um, but it's not to say that you should expect it to look like the Mojave Desert. And just, for real. That there's nothing left for you. I don't believe that. Now, of course, we are also now living in the pandemic,
0: in the panoramic,
1: the panorama, you know. <laughs> and so, Panasonic. Uh, you know, opportunities for intimacy with anybody have been very challenging,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Anybody.
1: So I think that that has led me to be like, well, what are the things I'm going to do to still engage in self-pleasure with myself? Because I don't want to not experience orgasms. I don't want to not experience pleasure. I don't have a problem touching myself at all. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to keep doing that. And I do it when I feel like it. And if I don't, I don't. But I don't feel like I have... (laughs) plummeted off of a cliff into okay, a place where sexual expression or a pleasure is no longer available <laughs> to me. <You> know? <laughs> I would just I don't I didn't jump I'd have a menopause cape and I was like I, I regret nothing as I
0: jump off the
2: cliff. <laughs> That's hilarious.
1: Hey, y'all, I hope you are enjoying this latest episode of the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause. Before we continue with this episode, I wanted to bring a word from our sponsor. Before I started working with Kendra, I asked them to share more about themselves and their values, and here's what they had to say. We started Kendra with a seemingly simple mission, empower people who are experiencing the hormonal changes of menopause to care for their bodies naturally, safely, and holistically. And what does that look like? plant-powered estrogen-free essentials that do what they promise. Kendra is science-backed support made by women and tailored to you. And I love hearing all of that because I wouldn't want to partner with anyone or any entity that is not natural, safe, and holistic in their approach. Kendra's line of peri, Minnow, and Post Essentials includes a daily vaginal lotion that has a revolutionary reusable applicator that dramatically relieves vaginal dryness, a sleep-enhancing supplement, an energy-boosting supplement, and a dynamic daily wellness supplement, all thoughtfully designed to target and relieve any of the physical manifestations we have along this menopausal journey that sometimes includes hot flashes, brain fog, and mood swings. Kendra has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers or subscribers, you get 20% off anything you wish. To get 20% off your first order or subscription, go to ourkendra.com slash omi20. That's ourkendra.com slash omi, O-M-I, 20, to get your discount today.
2: I'ma kick into McConney. <laughs> No, I love it. You know, I I was one of those people who really didn't have any real issues around. I didn't have, I didn't have sweats. I didn't have any of that. I just like, I had a period that kind of trailed off and trailed off and trailed off. And then, and then I was like, oh, snap, I don't have a period anymore. I, so I didn't really have a lot of that stuff. Hmm. But I also had dis- I, I, you know, I was a. I'm an herb person. I take herbs. I do things. You know, I, there's things I do for my own, like every day. That might be it. It might not. Mm-hmm. But I know that mentally and spiritually, because I had raised children, I was just dedicated to having a life post children mm-hmm. where I was sexy. I was like, this is my opportunity. You know, I could when I want mm-hmm. it. You know, I could do what you know. What I mean, I could just like do the thing. Amen. So- and I think it's true. Like, I think the more you are engaged, whether it's auto erotic or with other people, the less you have to worry about things like dryness or things like that. That's never been an issue for me either. I'm 60. I turned 60 last year. I think that, um, you know, patriarchy puts so many things in our heads about the value of women. And, you know, in a world where even now where women design rocket ships and do whatever whatever that is for capitalism, like it works for capitalism for women to be fully engaged in one particular way. But in another way, it's kind of like what you're really all you are is like this sexual object. And that has an expiration date between this date and that date. Mm -hmm. Unless you work Mm -hmm. out all the time. And if you have anything hanging Mm -hmm. or flipping or jiggling then then yeah then then you your expiration date is done and then and then you literally have people like walk up to you and say things like well you look good for your age it's like what does that mean right like what does that mean right when people say that kind of thing to you or folks approach you because they think you look younger than you are you know which says mm-hmm. something so I think that part of what it is you talk about decolonizing periods what does what does decolonize sex look like right like really like what does Mm -hmm. decolonizing beauty look like and i feel like Mm -hmm. for me it's a constant daily practice i literally have a post-it on my mirror right (laughs) that to remind me and and i have a lot of privilege you know i have like hair privilege i have all kinds of privilege and even with all of that reflecting back to me Mm -hmm. I still have to have the post-it. I still have to remind myself. I still have to be in meditation, remembering the beauty that I am, the divine being that I am, and to want to shine that light so other people can say, oh, you know, I'm beautiful too. Or, you know, and Omi knows about this. How many people walk up to you and tell you their their, color, their dye stories? They'd be like, girl, I would do that if... Right. Right? They're like doc they're hair confessions. And so, you know, and for people who don't know, both Obi and I have silver hair and it's mm-hmm. a thing. It's part of our thing, right? It's who we are in many ways. We play we could play with it, but pretty much it's it's who we are. And I think all of that mm-hmm. deciding that you don't have to be a youngster to be sexy and to engage. Yeah. And here's the other thing, and this is an important thing on the health piece, is that you need orgasms for your pelvic health. That literally, if you don't have mm, regular, come blood, on now, it's serious though. The muscles in your pelvic floor start to to atrophy, and that you atrophy, know, so you have people right. who have like literally have pestles, like little tables, inside to keep yep. the floors from hitting together. So, you know, you need to get it, yep. whether it's with yourself or however you do it, for your own health. But because we have this, mm-hmm. like, patriarchal, colonized medical stuff that, you know, they would rather put a table inside a woman's womb than say, look, baby, just, you know. Get your like, fingers get popping. It, yeah, just get it, work <laughs> it out. And if you don't like that, if you like batteries or whatever it yeah, is. Everybody go. Whatever, whatever whatever but it's like it's yes. like it's, it's it's like that is you know we that's the information we need to know that's the stuff we need to understand because yes. and, and it affects everything because sex is necessary pleasure is ne- necessary oh <laughs> this is this is the this is the
0: menopause story i was looking for It's <laughs> a basic need this, this going to be me when I hit menopause. Sex, it, what? Okay, <laughs> you hear that? I'm keeping all the vibrators,
1: and we're going to we are decolonizing our bodies and our minds and our sex and our mm-hmm. and all those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah,
2: our synapses, all of it, pleasure and intellect and spirit. It's like we are whole beings, and we are spiritual beings, and it's. Yeah. Like, people try to make it like like oh this is some profane thing i mean this is that's capital capital capitalizing say, right. and making it like here's this thing and you that's can right. only have it this way and so then there's porn mm-hmm. and there's that and there's all right. these things because if it's not monetized they don't care yeah <laughs> you know? yep mm-hmm.
0: yep and i honestly i told this to my mother the other day i'm not sure if she knew this or not but my Auntie Gillian, who was my godmother, who I'm named after, who passed, um, was an OBGYN. And the first time I masturbated, like, she was who I went to mm-hmm. because I was like, well, I can't talk to my mother about this because I wasn't even supposed to be watching HBO After Dark. So, <laughs> I'm gonna go to so at least there's some, you know, HIPAA. I, you know, I don't know. So many people I know had their first mm-hmm. orgasm to HBO. Yes, Pixar. I was like, there's something happening. I was like, I was watching TV. There was a little sum going on, so I I tipped down there to see what was up. Mm-hmm. and uh it was a party like what's what's that about and she was like oh honey like let me tell you okay let me tell you the fantastic world of masturbation okay let me tell you how I don't get you pregnant child. You, you figure out what you like and so I never felt pressured uh, Makani what you're saying I never felt pressured to have sex with another person because I was like I can do this myself why would I engage with another person, risk all these things that I'm actually not interested in, Mm -hmm. um, including emotional commitment back then when I was toxic. And I'm like, now I can do this myself. Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah.
0: Like that was like, still feels like one of the best gifts that she ever gave me, you know, was this real orientation toward pleasure and self-pleasure in particular that was like, oh, baby, that almost made it like pleasing myself was the main event. Um, Right. And I'm curious, like, even in this conversation, I feel very, very curious about like how your relationship to not just your relationship to your body, your relationship to your vagina, but your relationship to your period. Like, is there some grief there? That's Mm
1: -hmm. That's a very good question. Um, Oh, I feel like it's complex for me. I don't miss having a cycle. I don't. I, you know, I haven't had a cycle uh, in eight almost eight years. And I think when I first realized that I had hit 365 days with no cycle, I did have a little bit of a hmm. Well, this is a new place for me. It wasn't grief. Um, in the way that I have experienced grief before, perhaps in retrospect, it was, it felt a little wistful, a little wistful. Mm -hmm. I felt a little bit like, oh, this is a new place. And immediately after thinking, this is a new place, I wanted to talk to my mom. So I think Mm -hmm. that that my mother has been an ancestor since 1998. You know, Mm -hmm. I had that, again, you know, a marker, a significant, event in my life that she wasn't present for in the physical form. And I talked to my mom all the time. She came to me in a dream, night before last. So we have a very strong bond and continuing relationship from where she is. But I really wanted to be able to sit down with her or a glass of wine and be like, I ain't having no more babies. I ain't got no more cycle. I'm I'm divorced. What's good? What's getting, okay. ready? you know? <laughs> What's getting ready happen, mommy, and for her to be like, "Ooh, girl," I mean, whatever you want to happen is about to happen. That's, I wish that I would have been able to do that. So I did feel wistful, but I don't. I don't miss my period now. Getting older is complex um, when you don't look your age. So Makani mm-hmm. had given a nod to you know people giving you compliments and saying, oh, you don't look like you're 54, about to be 54. And as as if being 50, there's, there's a problem with being 54. Like I want to look my age and I want looking my age to be an indication of vitality and mm. happiness and healing and joy and choice. Like yeah. I don't want someone to look at me and be like, Oh well, she looks like the fifty-four-year-old, like I don't know, model. Like, no, I look like an average fifty-four-year-old black person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you won't look average, he, baby.
2: Average. <laughs> Never. About
1: you. I Never. appreciate that. I don't know if the viewers have googled you, but
3: uh, <laughs> fine, fine, okay. <laughs> fine, fine. I take that. Thank you.
2: That's sure. like
1: a brick shit house. Iconic.
3: Okay? Iconic.
1: My dad. Indeed. My dad said that one time I was. My I came downstairs to go with my girlfriend. He said, "Where are you going in that outfit? Looking like a brick shit house."
0: That's right. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's right. I was like, uh-huh. And He was like, "Absolutely not. Absolutely no, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am." That was me. That was me. Anyway, back to the Asian thing. What I do notice now are things. Things are changing in my body. The same way, you know, we've described our hair, you know, this natural genetic DNA situation with the gray, white, silver hair that people are always fascinated by. Everything else goes gray, too, y'all. So your eyebrows Mm -hmm. go gray, underarm hair goes gray, pubic hair goes gray. And I'm just like, you know, there are times I'm like, oh, it's no biggie. And there are times I'm also like, seriously, you have to go gray, too, like that? Like, for real? Like, that's what we're doing? Is that what we're doing? Most days I wake up and I'm so grateful for this body, especially this body that carried me through 2020,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, like, my, mm-hmm. my, my God, so much gratitude. And there are also days when I'm looking at my body and I'm just like, well, that's a new dimple. Mm-hmm. All right. I see that. hmm Oh, the girls are, they have decided that they want to take up real estate closer to my neighborhood. <laughs> All right. Yes. Okay. Are you comfortable there? They're like, we comfortable. Is it? <laughs> is it warm? It's it, it so soft and warm. I'm like, okay. Oh, liberated yourself from underwires. <laughs> I have liberated myself from bras. Period. I, you know, yes. I'm going to be on a Zoom with a bunch of people I don't know. The bra stays in the dr- top drawer. See. Mm-hmm. So that's. I don't feel grief. I do feel change. You know. However we manage change. That's how I've been, you know, managing the change of not having a period or getting older. It's like there are days when it's it's fine and there are days where it's like I'm present to it, present to it, thinking about it.
2: I love that.
3: Mm-hmm. Did you want to add to that, Makani?
2: You know, I'll just do very quickly because I know we just have a few minutes left to say that, nah, I don't miss it. I didn't. Yeah, I was grateful that it was done was one of those people who did um, like, you know, a permanent sort of birth control after I had my second child. So I was just kind of waiting for it Baby. to just be done. right? I wasn't trying to make any babies anymore or anything like that. And I will just amen that the idea of how it gets complicated. You know, I'm just so grateful to be a Black woman and alive you know, there's so many of us who didn't make it here. So mm-hmm. I just want to continue to have gratitude. And sometimes it's hard because, you know, as someone who isn't partnered and, you know, the pandemic was, was wild, right? Like there's all kinds of stuff. Like you think, well, what, what do I need to be? But then, but what I mostly want to do is let go of that and just be like, you know, beauty is all of this. And um, mm-hmm. it's like, whatever, like you have babies, you have a stretch mark or whatever, or, like all of that is a map of your life. And and um, and yeah, I could eat better. I could work out. I could do all the things. And I've been kind of, you know, kind of round most of my life. As my daughter would say, round is a shape. That's what she used to say when she was like, oh, I need to get in shape. She goes, mommy, round is a shape. And I'd be like, all right then. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and the beauty I want to see in everybody else. I want to look in the mirror and see it. So it's a it is a practice. Mm
3: -hmm. I agree. I agree. Thank you so much. If we have a little time, we're gonna close out with maybe one more question. Maybe just one thing, one thing that you would want to tell your tender 30 year old, 20 year old self about
0: what's coming. Ooh, that's a good question. Makami, you want to start it off?
2: Sure. You know, it's funny. I was literally having a conversation with a person in their 30s about this yesterday in the nail shop. (laughs) But I would say, I mean, when she asked me the same question, but the main thing I would say is love and take care of yourself. Really? That's your 30 year old self is always making choices. It's not about you. You know, it might be because you have kids. It might be, but it's like just, just love and take care of yourself, and that will be the gift that keeps on giving your whole life. That's so beautiful, y'all.
1: Listen, Connie said it all. I was literally thinking, if I could sit down with thirty-year-old Billy, I'd be like, "Girl, please take care of yourself, honey. Mm. Please take care of yourself and love yourself. Choose you. Choose Mm. you." choose you and you're good to yourself and you love yourself and you take care of yourself everybody and everything will work out just fine that's right so that's what I would say I think we're so hard on ourselves Mm -hmm. we're hard on ourselves inside of a context of a world that tells us there's something wrong with us every day
2: yeah Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so if you could find a way every day to poke a hole through all of that nonsense and be like, you know what? You know who I really, I mess with hard? Myself. Rock with her. Rock with her. her. Yes. That's my girl. That's my boo. I love her. And so I would definitely say that very similarly to what Sister Makani said. Love yourself. Take care of yourself, baby. Yes. Mm -hmm.
3: I feel like approaching my 40s. If I could go back and talk to my 20-year-old self, like, one, it gets better, huh? It gets so much better.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And you start running out of fucks to give. And it's a beautiful thing. True. You just, like, I don't
0: have, I have, like, three
3: left. I'm not spending it on this. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Asha?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think, honestly, it's sort of, like, what I want to tell my tender 20-year-old self is it's about to be lit. And maybe it doesn't feel like it right now, but it's going to be lit and you are as BC as you, as you think you just might be. And there's a part of me that's like, what do I, what do I want to like call forward for myself in, in 20 years? I'm 34 now, I'll be 35 next month. And I want to call forward, like in, in this conversation really feels like it affirms that just like Yeah, you get to enter into transition with ease Mm -hmm. um, and with grace Mm -hmm. and that there will be many more transitions. There have been many transitions and many more on the way, but like with such, yeah, such badass Black women and folks who like have gone through these transitions, grateful for like a really good relationship with my, with my mom that we can like talk about some of that stuff too. Um, yeah, just feeling like, oh, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be scary. It actually can be be quite easy um, if I let it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should just call this episode God is Change. We
0: are done. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Ashe, Ashe. Okay.
1: Ashe, Ashe. Okay.
0: Yeah. So thank you all so much. Thanks for letting us take over. Oh, Oh,
1: thank you for
0: Um, taking over. Yes. Thank you for telling us all your business.
1: Oh, y'all. I love y'all so much. And I also to be able to do the takeover and me be a guest with my big sis and be in the space with y'all virtually. I love you so much. It's such a pleasure. So much joy. Hey, good people. I hope you enjoyed this millennial takeover with Aja Taylor and Cherizar Crippen and Makani Timba, who was a special guest with myself. Fantastic conversation. I knew it was going to be a great conversation. And I'm so glad that Aja and Cherizar were like, Omi, we want to interview you because we feel like it's important for these intergenerational conversations to take place so people can ask the questions they want to ask now. They don't have to wait until they're in menopause to ask the questions. So thank you so much for tuning in. There is information about all three of our guests in the notes of the podcast. And to learn more about the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, check out our website. That's also listed in the notes for this podcast episode. If you are interested in being a supporter of the podcast, you can make a one-time donation, or you can become a sustainer through our Patreon. Again, all of that information is listed in the notes of this episode. We do want to hear from you. So if you have questions or thoughts or reflections, Drop us a line. Send it to listener letters. You can send them to decolonizingthecrone, that's all one word, decolonizingthecrone at gmail.com. And in the subject line, put listener letters. We definitely want to hear from you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this very first episode of season three. We have so much more in store for you. And as always, we will see you on the dark side of the moon. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal. Sail from Florida
2: to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line.